Hi, I'm David Massover. Welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast, where I'll be interviewing senior sales leaders, sales experts, and sales service providers about what else, what it takes to drive B2B sales revenue. So thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast. I'm your host, David Massover, and today we've got a terrific guest. Today, we will be speaking with Russ McCumber, who is the strategy director at Impressive Digital. And according to his LinkedIn profile, he is a self-described sales nerd. So Russ, welcome to the podcast. Hey, David. Thanks so much for having me on. Really stoked to be here. Uh, Yeah, I'm stoked to have you too. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you came to be the strategy director at Impressive? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I've worked, I took a bit of a scenic route to uh, get into the role that I'm in now. I work in advertising, advertising sales, and I've worked in sales for probably sales and marketing for close to 17, 16, 17 years, something like that. So I had a marketing head of marketing role for an event agency. Then I worked for selling event production and experiential events in the corporate event space as well. Did that for a few years in a sales role. Then moved into advertising, which was kind of where my passion was from the start. Um, and I've been in advertising and digital advertising for about eight years. So I've been selling, I'd say like, you know, carrying a quota, carrying a number for a good sort of 14, 15 years. But I reckon the first, first half a dozen years or so, there was a number there that was getting carried. It wasn't getting carried, you know, particularly skillfully or there wasn't a lot of focus on it. It took me a while to put my head down and go, okay, this is, this is what I do. Really got to pull my finger out and start focusing and figuring out how do I do this with proper methodology, proper process and make the most of every conversation really. Yeah, my experience was pretty similar. I mean, I, I didn't wake up and know how to sell. I'm not sure that anybody really does, although in hindsight, I think sometimes people believe that's true. But yeah. you know, if you if you stick with it then and, and work at it and get systematic at it, I find that you know most people can get there if they just keep keep at it. I think so. And the thing is, like I'd always have people because I'm pretty I can be quite extroverted, I get along with people quite well, I like the sound of my own voice, I can get people to open up. So um people always say, Oh, you you know, you should you're a natural at sales or you'd be a natural at sales. And I found those first few years when I was doing it, I I wasn't really a natural. It didn't come as easily. I didn't like asking, because I, I like people instinctively, I prefer people to like me. I didn't like asking hard questions. I didn't like being too direct. I didn't like coming across as pushy and all those sorts of things that the stigmas inside my head of, of what a salesperson is, which I kind of had to get over myself before I could really make a decision to take this seriously and, and be really good at it. And it took, probably as it does for a lot of people, it took a, you know, like a mentor at, at one point to recognize a bit of talent in there and go, okay, well, if you actually have some method to this and if you actually start diagnosing your conversations, diagnosing the people that you're speaking to, matching the way they speak and, and creating conversations in a way that gets you both to a point which is a winning situation, there could be a future in this for you. And that was a, a big turning point for me. His name was Ryan. He, he basically changed my career. It can often take that one sort of person. There was that along with having a, a young family and needing to be able to provide for them while my wife was popping out kids and not working as much. So kind of a combination of things. I grew up, I guess, as well. So you, you were motivated. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, <laughs> some ingredients that just sort of lined up and he probably came at the right time to help yeah. push me forward. 
Well, well, that brings up an interesting point. You and I have discussed this offline a little bit. You know, there's this kind of funny balance in our world between success in sales, in selling, and management and coaching. I think the predominant real world practice is you take a top salesperson and say, okay, let's yeah. make this person a manager. And managers are supposed to be good coaches, but those three things, selling, managing, and coaching, they're not always the same skill set. So can you share some of your thoughts on that kind of trifecta? Yeah, for sure. Like I reckon the absolute best salespeople I've worked with, they're not good managers and they're not good coaches. And I can't see why you take them away from doing what they do so very well. And frankly, having worked with some of them, there was one particular woman I worked with who um, was amazing, like just the way she could control the call, control the emotion, get them excited, get them over the line. But getting her to teach other people to do that, which we tried, it was so instinctive to her. It was just her personality was infectious and enthusiastic. It wasn't something that she could coach. It wasn't something she could teach very well. Whereas I think that like for me personally, like I said, like I did struggle. My first half a dozen years in sales was hitting okay numbers because I can get people to like me, frankly. But once I started putting methodology behind it, I literally had to learn brick by brick what sales process is, what a methodology is. All of those things that I now do intuitively were things that I had to be taught. And I think now, for me personally, it makes me quite a good coach because then I understand when I'm coaching someone who it doesn't come natural to, I understand that that, asking that question makes you feel uncomfortable. It makes you feel a little bit, you tighten up in your chest. I know exactly how you feel. You need to reframe the way you look at that question. You need to basically reframe the way you look at your role and the fact that you are there to help someone at the other end of this conversation or some people at the other end of this conversation. So yeah, to answer your question, I think that those natural salespeople, the people who are just, you know, just the quota, the, the number smashes, they're just writing ridiculous numbers. Sure, maybe some of them can become good managers and good coaches. I've gotten myself to a point where I'm writing, you know, I've written some, been sort of the top performer at most of the businesses I've been with over the last few years, but it took a lot of work to get there. And I think if you can find those people out there, that's another challenge into itself, you know, finding top producers who had to, who didn't come in out of the gate riding 200, 300%, who kind of grinded their way to then becoming really solid producers. They're potentially people who uh, are going to be better coaches. But then as you say, coaching, managing, selling, that the coaching is then again, different to, to managing, managing people management. You've got a team of people. You have to try to work on team dynamics and motivation and all those things. Whereas coaching tends to be very much skill gap, skill, skill identification, one-on-one, you know, that sort of the reps that you're trying to improve in people. In your current role now at Impressive, are you doing yeah. all three? You're selling, you're managing, you're coaching? Yeah, I do. And it can be tough. So I've did that. So mostly my last role was with a technology business. We sold directory advertising and websites and banner advertising, basically digital advertising. And I made my way through that business from cold calling through to account managing, through to running the outbound sales team and teaching people on everything from, you know, how to open up that first six, seven seconds of a call in a way which slides you in the door just that little bit more easily to then coaching the inbound team. And then in my role now, yeah, I'm doing a mix of all three. So I've got a number I have to hit. I'm helping coach the guys, uh, you know, leading the team as well. It's a balance. It can be a struggle. And I know there's lots of reps out there that, that struggle with it. Sorry, David. Uh, no, I, I was just going to say, I think balance and struggle are really the two words that come up mm. a lot when I'm working with clients, whether they're 
their salespeople, their sales leaders, you know, how do I get my manager to coach? You know, and it turns out he's carrying a big quota and there's a lot of pressure. He might be carrying it yeah. for most of the team. It is a struggle. It is a balance. And uh, yep. usually something gets left off the table. Do you yeah. have any special tricks or any special cadence or any special way that you balance the three out? I think the most important thing is that you, when you focus, I just think, I think multitasking is a myth. Like I think, I know, especially for myself, if I'm coaching someone, that is all I'm doing. I literally need to shift my chair around, take off my headphones or whatever else I'm doing and I'm there and I'm present. If I'm in a sales call, my phone has to be somewhere else. I need sound off and I need to be, I just find that you need to be like an absolute gun at compartmentalizing and being absolutely present in what you're doing at that point. So when you are wearing one, two, three different hats, potentially, you need to have really good structure in your day so that you can make sure that your reps are getting the time that they need. So you're making sure you've got enough organization for team management, but then making sure your clients and prospects are also getting the time that they need. So, you know, structure and being able to be present in each of those tasks is kind of the only way. That said, I don't think that it can be a struggle. And even though you are being 100% present in those, you're kind of never going to be as good a salesperson as if you were full-on in it or as good a full-time coach as you were if you were full-on. And that's just natural, don't you think? Because if you're doing the same thing over and over through a day, you're just going to get better. You get better rhythm. I do agree. I was lucky in that I had a period longer ago than I'd like to admit when I was actually selling and also kind of stepped forward to take over sales training. It was my first sales trainer role. It was an internal role. And I actually really enjoyed the iteration between Mm. executing and helping other people because I think it made me better at both. You know, and people sometimes criticize sales managers who don't sell or sales trainers who haven't been in the field for a while. So I think there is an Mm. advantage, but- Yeah, finding the time. I think, you know, your advice about you're wearing a bunch of hats, but they all have to have blinders like a horse, you know, driving to market is uh, it's yeah. very good advice. Yeah, for sure. Other than getting the hat with the blinders, if somebody's in a manager's position and, mm. you know, they're hearing this and they're like, you know, I, I should learn to focus better. I learn, should learn to be a better coach. Well, what's your advice for being effective as a coach when, when you have that particular hat on? Some of the best advice I've had from coaches is, I mean, honestly, very similar to your style. And it's more around asking questions, making sure you're getting them to open up, getting them to, honestly, I find coaching just like selling. Like you need to identify the gap. They need to acknowledge the gap. And then they need to agree on how do we fill that gap with my product, with whatever skill you're deciding needs to be, needs to go in there, but they need to own that. So I think that that's kind of really, really important. It's funny because I see coaching, I see public speaking, I see all of these things basically as selling. And I just use that same framework of if I need them to buy into what I'm saying, then I need them to acknowledge the gap that's there as well and really own that gap, own the solution to fill that gap as well. So whether that means I'm selling an advertising product or I'm selling them on the fact that they need to work on their their assumptive clothes, or whether that means I'm I'm speaking to a, a large audience and I need them to buy into my expertise as a thought leader or whatever on whatever the topic is that I'm presenting on. I kind of see them all as the same. It's all sales to me. They have this expression, selling isn't telling. It sounds like you're saying that also applies to all these other disciplines, coaching and managing and speaking. If you're just focusing on it as a one-way communication, you're not going to be as effective. 100%. 
fun. Yeah. No one likes to be just like I've got kids. They hate it if you just tell, 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 tell. Like it's people want to feel some ownership over where we're taking this conversation. They want to feel some ownership over the decisions that have come at the back of this conversation or during it. If it's not a two-way street, if you're not opening them up and having them really be involved in it, it doesn't make for, for long-term happiness and it certainly doesn't make for, for happy customers or team members. So we talked for a second about how a manager could become a better coach. Also looking back at your career, what if someone is a salesperson and they're thinking yep. about or, or they've been offered a role in management? Looking mm-hmm. back on your experience, what are some things that if you knew then what you knew now, what, what would you yeah. advise somebody? I would say if you haven't got a mentor already, find a mentor. Find someone who's, I got some really good advice. Well, here, here's actually what I did. I got, I got advice to find two mentors. So one who is potentially five years ahead, approximately five years ahead of where you are right now. So think about your career and the role that you're in, the title you're in. And then think about, okay, in five years time, I want to be here. Who do I know that's there? Maybe you don't know anyone. You reach out to them on LinkedIn. You get someone else to connect you to them. You start telling people, I'm looking for someone who does this. So for myself, I was looking for people who had, for that role, I was looking for people who had gone from a sales, like a top producer in sales, and then gone into a management, a more sort of broader management position, not necessarily sales manager, but like a general manager or CEO. So that was one. And that, that person was able to give me some really good tips and actually just give me a, a lot of confidence that, I was ready to take, you know, the next step. That was mentor number one. Mentor number two was actually, this is different, but someone who's potentially 20 plus years ahead of where you are. So they're potentially doing something in a different industry that, you you know, you're not connected to at all, but just someone who can give you more broader life and family and balance and someone who's going to connect with you on that level so that you've got kind of your North Star and then you're, you know, you're closer to where you want to go. So. That for me worked really well, really well. Finding those two, that's a whole other conversation. But um, I think if someone was looking to get into management, they need to speak to people who've done the role and, and start to get a feel for, okay, well, that's how I do it well. That's what I'd probably do differently. Is this for me? You know, that's they're probably really good people to be bouncing those questions off. Great advice. Great advice. Hey, let's shift gears a little bit. I don't know when we're going to post this, probably in a couple of weeks, but right now it's the end of April 2020. And pretty much everybody is up to their eyeballs trying to figure out how to carry on with life in the era of the coronavirus, COVID-19. So thinking about Impressive, you guys are a a digital agency. You're giving advice Mm -hmm. to people about how to position themselves in the market. What are you guys doing? You know, the categories that I'm seeing generally are some are hiring, some are firing, some are optimizing, Mm -hmm. some are opportunistic and land grabbing. Some have yep. their heads in the sands like ostriches. How would you characterize yep. how impressive is kind of philosophically approaching this really unique set of conditions that we're in right now? Yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting. I was on a webinar recently where we spoke exactly to this topic and we, we did a bit of a deep dive into the Harvard Business Review did some research on companies that come out of a recession. So they had data around the dot-com recession and then also the GFC. And there was basically four different types of approaches for companies that came out of the recession because what they found, there was some interesting stats, only 9% of businesses at the other end of the recession came out stronger than when they went in. Something like 40% of companies, so this includes everything from small right up to medium and large, 40% of companies didn't exist at all, like coming out the other end. And then a big chunk of the rest were just way less profitable. 
So what they did was they looked at the four different types and it was basically like overly defensive, like just cut costs on everything. Whatever arbitrary number, let's cut costs by half. So that means cut marketing, cut staffing, cut service, cut everything. And then we'll just ride it out until it's over. Then there's the other end, which is offensive. So just total aggressive mode. Just spend, spend, spend. Let's, let's out-service, out-hustle everyone. Let's put on more people on the phones so that when our customers get through, we're, we're getting onto them quicker and other people are, other competitors are potentially making people wait for hours, but we're on it. So defensive, offensive, there was pragmatic, and then there was progressive. So pragmatic was like, okay, we can't be too offensive. We can't be too defensive. We need to find that middle ground. So we need to decide, okay, we're going to cut 20%, but we're going to spend 20% more here. We're going to try to find that even, even ground. Progressive, though, were the really interesting ones. And they were the ones who looked more at, rather than having like an arbitrary number, okay, we're going to cut costs by this and increase this by this. What they did was they looked more at operational efficiency, like looked at, okay, well, where can we maybe cut some costs across supply chain, across process, in areas that we probably should have looked at previously, make some little gains there. Where can we bulk up on CapEx or on, on sales or whatever it happens to be, marketing? And rather than having a, okay, we need to be a completely break-even, they just took a much more sort of holistic, progressive approach. Those are the ones that sort of came out storming of the recession. And I think it's that properly well-thought-out strategy around, okay, well, let's cut some, let's grow some. What, what are our revenue-growing activities? What can we get revenue right now? What can we get revenue for three, six months from now? How do we invest in those? How can we optimize processes and make this operation much more efficient? To answer your question about impressive, I would say we're probably in the progressive, but probably a slightly aggressive because we are a marketing agency. So we kind of back ourselves on the marketing front. So progressive, but with a, a pretty heavy lean towards aggressive on acquisition channels and, and marketing. So you're being opportunistic, but through clear strategic thinking. Yep. Spot on. So that's Sounds like a good model like, to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just read a book recently with. I'm a massive NBA fan. It was Bill Russell. There was this line in it, you know, when the world changes around you, you can't stay the same. So the world changed really quickly around all of us just a few weeks ago. And uh, like most businesses, we had to go, okay, well, do we have products to suit where businesses are right now? Because right now is so different to even two weeks ago. What do those products look like? What do businesses want? Do we even have like customer feedback mechanisms in place to figure out what businesses want? No? Okay, well, we better start creating a webinar series. We better start doing things to get this feedback. So we had to, we had to shift pretty quickly. I think we did a pretty good job, but um, obviously we're, we're still all very early days. You had a, a very personal bit of impact yes. from this change. It's uh, end of April right now. If yes. I remember well, end of March, you were supposed to be not in Australia where you are now. That's Tell right. us a little bit about what you were planning to do and, and how COVID-19 yeah. came along and changed your plans. Yeah, that's right. So um, I've been with Impressive now for about three years, probably continuing on from what I said before and moved through from just sales through to, you know, to um, running the team. But uh, I got a really good opportunity to head over and run our US office. So we have a number of, of American clients already and we have a number of Australian clients who run marketing campaigns or we run their marketing campaigns in the US. So I'm, I'm general manager of that office and I've been running a little team remotely and we had plan. So I've got four kids, married four kids, and we basically had our whole life ready. We're all, all packed. We uh, had booked our flights in Texas, Austin, Texas. We've got an office ready. We've got schools and neighborhoods picked out. 
And then uh, two weeks from, from jumping on a plane and heading on that new adventure, the coronavirus hits and changes everything. So, yeah, we basically sold property and we're in a temporary accommodation now. We're in a, a rental and we're just going to see it out until, until we get the opportunity. We can't wait to get there. We're coming. Texas, we're definitely coming. Yeah, it's certainly been very different little t- path for us over the last few weeks. It's, it's hit us very personally. Yeah, I had a friend uh, when I was in college. He used to be a Marine, and he told me, you know, you can't be flexible. Flexible is too rigid. You have to be fluid. Yeah. And it sounds like yeah. you guys really had to be pretty fluid with all these plans. But uh, yeah. listen, I, I think it should be an exciting adventure. I'm sure it's going to come. And uh, it'll be great for me because when you and I connect, you know, it won't have to be my morning, your evening. We can kind of flip that around since I'm sitting yeah, exactly. up and have to adjust to a new time frame with you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we can't wait. It'll uh, it'll happen when it happens. In the meantime, we're just uh, just enjoying life here. We've got a bit of stability now. The kids are, you know, happy to to have their own bedroom and things are settled. So we've got our health. We're happy. We can't complain. And everybody's increasingly used to doing business on Zoom, so that's going to help you out when you get there as well. I've been talking to people about that lots. Like it, it is interesting. I'm even finding because we did video. I think in sales, we're kind of used to mm-hmm. to to these conversations, but it's the non-sales people who have had to really quickly shift. And I'm finding it's only two, it's only a few weeks in, but people are getting much more comfortable. You know, people are more comfortable actually looking at the screen as opposed to looking down. And we're having there's lots of lots of shifts. There's obviously shifts in buyer behavior and all sorts of things as well. But I think this is a this is a positive thing. It can only make the world smaller, right? Don't you think? I like to think of it that way. I hope it turns out to be yeah. true. I think it's a good thing. Just another way to connect. Yeah. So speaking of connecting, this has been a great conversation. I hope some people have had a chance to get to know you who didn't know you previously. If people want to reach out to, to you, see your great content on LinkedIn, learn more about Impressive yep. and how Impressive can help, what's the best way to find you? Yeah, for sure. Probably the easiest way, um, if you just search for Russ McCumber on LinkedIn, you'll find me. I've got um, pretty active on there. I post videos and content, so I share everything around business growth, lots of sales, Lots of digital marketing. They're the things that I'm passionate about. I grew up in, in businesses and it's just something I've always been really passionate about. But then impressive.com.au and impressivedigital.com for the US site. They're basically our, um, you know, where you find our work and, and the clients that we work with, that sort of thing. And we've got a podcast and webinars as well. You can find lots of the other stuff that we do on my LinkedIn profile. I'm not shy sort of sharing the, the cool stuff that we do. I don't really sell on there, but I do share good content. You do share good content. Ladies and gentlemen, Russ, the extrovert. You can find him everywhere. (laughs) It has been great having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing some of your time with us. And uh, good luck with that move when it does finally come to pass. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, David. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast with your host, me, David Massover. If you'd like to learn more about how I can help you and your sales organization accelerate growth, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, reach out to me at davidmassover.com or find me on LinkedIn. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast to be the first to know about new episodes. And thanks for listening. Now, let's go drive some B2B sales revenue.